It's, it's an embarrassment of riches when Brother Jude oh. shows up to Ohio. Oh, thank so, you. Very grateful. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's say prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, your children, you who sent your son to die for us. Father, we just pray that you would pour forth your love upon us in a new and powerful way, a way that, Father, we've never experienced before. Bless us, protect us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. There we go. Well, I'm learning something new about Brother Brennan every day. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, glory to God. Well, talking about God's Father is never easy because in all of our lives, we've had a different, we all have different experiences of our Father's love, our earthly Father's love, our heavenly Father's love. For some of us, it's been smooth sailing. For some of us, it's been rocky. Um, so as I give this talk, I realize that every single person in this room is gonna hear the talk in a different way, all right? Everyone's gonna hear it in a different way. So, so I just pray the Holy Spirit would work through us, through me, that we could best, best approach our Father in heaven and really experience his blessing and his consolation. Years ago, I was doing a scripture study uh, in John, and uh, Father Francis Martin, who's a longtime member of the Sword of the Spirit, um, profound scripture scholar, um, he said something very deep and very profound. And he was talking about the word Abba, Abba. Now, it is true, it's the familiar term of daddy. It is true that, um, you know, it's a very affectionate term. But as Father Francis explained it, he said, the word Abba is so deep and so intimate that only the Holy Spirit can teach us and tell us what that means. Right? It is only the Holy Spirit. And we hear it in Galatians 4, we hear it in Romans 8, right? The Spirit cries out in our heart, Abba, Father. Now, brothers and sisters, we've all received the Holy Spirit. We've all received the Holy Spirit in baptism, in confirmation, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've experienced this. So, so I ask us, pray to the Holy Spirit who's doing you right now, okay? And cry out, Abba, Father, in your heart, you know, as we go through this night. Because he will reveal the Father's intimacy to you. Because of the you know, situation we talked about, you know, our, our, our brokenness uh, and our, our woundedness uh, because of sin, the hardest theological concept we will have to come to know in our lives is not the Trinity, it's not the Incarnation, it's not the Immaculate Conception, it's that God loves us. It is the hardest thing we will come to understand, all right? But just to say, neither is impossible, and it's not impossible, but also it's very, very close. Because as I said before, the Spirit is, is dwelling in us, just, just desiring for us to awaken our hearts, to receive God's love in a new and powerful way. In Romans 8, St. Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, okay? Nothing, okay? Not our sin, little sidebar comment, not even mortal sin separates us from the love of God. It may make salvation a little, you know, difficult, all right? But 
Nothing separates us from the love of God. All right? That's how much he loves us. And that love, that love is best, best expressed, I think, when Jesus comes out of the waters at baptism and the Father in heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Brothers and sisters, because we are baptized, the Father says that to you and me. He says that to you and me. All right? He delights in us. He loves us. Why do we call him Father? Why do we call him Father? Well, it's because he has a son. <laughs> it's because he has a son. And we see in John 3.16, right? God, God uh, gave us his only son, his only begotten son. He gave us his only begotten son. And that relationship between father and son is so deep. The father begets, the son adores. All right? Now there's a pattern here. There's a pattern here that the father wants to teach us. Okay, And also to come to understand that in Hebrews 2 it says, he who sanctifies... And we who are sanctified have the same origin. Okay? He who sanctifies and we who are sanctified have the same origin. Do you know what that means? That we share in a divine equality with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right? Because we have the same Father. All right? Now, this is a profound truth. Our Father in heaven loves us every bit as much as he loves Jesus. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. Because God is love. God is love. So we call him a father. We call him father, okay? Because we are his children and he begets us. And this begins to hint at our dignity, our personhood. I've said this often, it's not me who says it, it's St. Athanasius who says it, but it's profound. It's in the catechism, it's not Brother Jude. All right? God became man so man might become God. All right? We talked about that in two talks this morning or this afternoon okay, about we participate in the divine nature. Right? But God became man so man might become God. Why? Because he wants us to share in his richness. He wants us to share in the communion that the Holy Trinity shares together. In 325, the church was in a shambles, <laughs> not so much different than it is today. And they were stuck, they were stuck on this relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They couldn't figure it out because the scriptures weren't completely clear on it. What is the relationship between Father and Son, Son and Holy Spirit? What is the, what is the relationship? And how does that work? And how is Jesus God? And how did he, and the intervention, again, of St. Athanasius was phenomenal. He actually invented a word. He invented a new word to describe the relationships of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a Greek word. It's called prosopon, but in common American English, it's person. Person. All right. Now, how does St. Athanasius define a person? A person is a being in relationship. A person is a being in communion. All right. And he describes the Trinity as the Father is in communion with the Son. The Son is in communion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in communion with the Father and the Son. All right? Okay. Well, good and done, Brother Jude. How does it apply to me? <laughs> That's why Jesus came. He 
came to transform us into persons. Beings in relationship with the Holy Trinity, and because he became man, now beings in relationship with one another. We share a community life with one another because that's the pattern of the Trinity. All right? And we see a beautiful model of that. And in the background there, okay, there's an image of the Holy Trinity right there. All right? Family life. Family life, okay? A communion of persons. There's a being in relationship there, all right? And also, we should be reflecting that kind of communion with one another because we're persons. We're persons. And going back to God's original plan, the, the original solitude, John Paul used to talk about the original solitude of man. It's beyond imagining to be in communion with one another, to be in communion with God, all right? And not to have a concern in the world the original solitude. And it brings us back, you know, once again to Genesis. What does it say? <clears throat> uh, God, created, uh, God created man in his own, own image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, that male and female together reflect God's glory. Together, okay? We need one another. And that reflection of God's glory is not just meant for marriage, all right? has a special application in marriage, but not just meant for marriage. It's meant for our mission together, our life together, okay? Our men's houses, our women's houses, reflecting God's glory together. We need one another. Now, in family life, it's a little different. They still reflect God's glory, but fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, have a particular relationship and a particular role that God has given them. Mothers give life. Mothers conceive life. Mothers love life. Fathers generate life and bestow identity. Our identity comes from our fathers. All right. Now, brothers and sisters, that's profound. That's profound. And in a great family, a good family situation where we have good fathers, fathers over and over again by word and action tell their children who they are and how much they love him, all right? And that brings a stable person into society. Behind all the politics, behind all the gender issues, behind all the things that are happening right now, that, uh, pro, uh, you know, pronoun issues, all these things, is usually, usually an absence of family life, an absence of solid family life and particularly the absence of good fathers. All right. So we know, and I think you're not naive to this, that the attack in society is on man, okay? Men, okay? You've heard about toxic masculinity, all right? Toxic masculinity, all right? I don't know of a toxic man in this room. I don't think I've ever met a toxic man, okay? To tell you the truth, all right? But we hear about that, and, and we hear, you know, uh, of, of the failures of men, or, we, we, or the patriarchy, all right? And brothers and sisters, that idea has only been around for maybe a century, all right? And it has to do, I won't go into deep philosophical, but it has to do with Marxism, okay? Because Marxism said, we can eliminate, we can eliminate oppression if we eliminate the family. And the best way to eliminate the family is eliminate fathers, all right? So in all of our woke politics, what is that? Eliminate the father, okay? All our gender issues, eliminate the father. We don't need fathers. We don't need fathers. Well, brothers and sisters, we are reaping the whirlwind. We are reaping the whirlwind, 
okay? And that's why all of us, as men and women, reflecting God's glory together, draw the, land, draw the line in the sand and say, enough, enough. I am so happy to be a woman. I love being a woman. I'm so happy to be a man. I love being a man. That's what we have to say. Draw the line in the sand and proclaim that truth. Proclaim that truth. And you can proclaim it clearly when you know you're a son and daughter. You know when you're a son or daughter, you can pr proclaim it clearly, all right? And that's what the I fathers, that's what, the, that's what, that's what our, the father's blessing, the father's identity can do for us, do for us. However, you know, our own fathers, my father included, hasn't always lived up to that idea, that ideal, all right? And I just say, brothers and sisters, in, in that whole area, okay, ask the father to help you forgive. All right? Show mercy in your hearts. But also, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, be really honest with God on your father's failures, on the ways your father didn't love you. Be honest. That's not disrespecting your father. That's not breaking the fourth commandment. Lord, the father, your father, wants you to admit that so you know what the issues are. All right? Now, I loved my father. I loved my father. He was a great man. And to this day, I... I pray to him every single day. I look up to him, and, and I'll say perhaps something about his witness later on, okay? But there are hurts there. There were things in his life that were projected onto my life. There are ways, insecurities, and anxieties that I still have today because at times he wasn't present to me, all right? Now, I've forgiven him, and I've forgiven in a royal way, and I see today the great man that he is, the great man in, in, in light of deep suffering in his life, the great man he is, all right? And I think the Father wants us to see that in all of our fathers. All right. But what is the key? The key. Well, one of the best known stories in the Bible is the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Actually, <laughs> it's really the story of a holy father and a good father. But you know the story well, right? The son, okay, says, I'm going to leave. I want what's coming to me, all right? And as far as I'm concerned, you're dead, all right? That's what he said, all right? In Jersey terms, I'm done with you, all right? And, and we see that. We see that, um, how it plays itself out. Now, when he asks for his inheritance, that says, you're dead. I don't want any part of you anymore. And he takes off, all right? And he lives a life of decadence, only to be found in a famine, starving, and he comes to his senses. And would that I go back to my father's house Back to my father. At least I'd get something to eat there. All right? Okay. And then what's happening is he comes back, but the father is running out to him. The father is meeting him. All right? And that's the way our heavenly father is pursuing us, brothers and sisters. He's pursuing us. He's saying, kill the fatted calf. Put the ring on their finger. Okay? Because my son has come home. My daughter has come home. All right? Actually, what's more problematic, and I think many more people fall into the older son syndrome, okay, all right? I think we all know it well. I did this for you, I did that for you, you know, I bent over backwards, I laid down, and I didn't get a thing, okay? I didn't get a thing. I lived this virtuous life, I obeyed the rules, I checked the boxes, and I didn't get a thing, all right? He was miserable, why? Talk about self-reliance. Okay? He's living, he's living, he's looking for reward. I've said this before, but brothers and sisters, virtue doesn't get you to heaven. Grace gets you to heaven. All 
all right? Virtue opens the way to grace, okay? But it doesn't get you to heaven because we can end up being a bunch of, 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 of box checkers, okay, thinking that we deserve heaven, okay? Like, like, if I just work hard enough, I'll get to heaven. No, it doesn't work that way, no. We get to heaven because we have loved the Father. We get to heaven, okay, because we have done his will. That's why we've gotten to heaven, all right? So, so this is a beautiful story. Now, this is profound. Without the Father, I'm talking about the prodigal son here, but I'm talking about our Heavenly Father, okay? Without the Father, there is no mercy, okay? Without the Father, there is no mercy. Without the love of the Father, we end up being like the second son, okay? I think in our life, you know, and to put it more in American terms, without mercy, perfectionism, okay? I have to be perfect on my own steam, okay? Perfect. Scrupulosity, okay? I'm scrupulously trying to be perfect. I really don't want, this is a burden, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm not very happy or joyful either. We toil, okay? Because again, we're trying to earn our salvation because there's no mercy, there's no, there's no way to save myself. I have to save myself, that's why I'm working so hard. And I think so many of us live a false persona. We try to be someone we're not. We act a part. Like I, I, I said this before, you know, we end, we end up, like our lives become Academy Award performances and not authentic persons, okay? We, we, we people please, okay? We, 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 we move with the crowd, okay? Anything, anything, okay? that I would be accepted by them, anything that I can do that no one would know how hurt I really am, all right? That is a lot of work. And brothers and sisters, I mean, I've experienced anxiety in my life, I've experienced depression in my life, I've experienced panic in my life. It all has to do, all right, with, in my life, with the absence of not knowing the Father's love in my life, all right? Because I didn't trust him, I was trusting myself, all right? So, so, you know, we, we need to depend on the Father to, to, to provide for us, to love us. And then just a witness to my, my father and I, our own reconciliation in our life, my life and his life. My father's life was a very difficult one, son of immigrants, and uh, was in the seminary. And two years into the seminary, he had tuberculosis. Uh, also, he was, uh, he was a scholarship track player, a track, uh, track runner, hurdler. Uh, he was a boxer, quite an athlete. And at, uh, he got tuberculosis, and at uh, 24 years old, he's missing one lung. And uh, in those days, there was no cure for tuberculosis, except for fresh air and good food. Now in New Jersey, you get good food. I don't know about fresh air. All right. So he was literally in the hospital for seven years, for seven years, until they invented uh, an antibiotic called streptomycin. And streptomycin uh, destroyed the, the uh, tuberculosis, uh, but left him really with two-thirds of a lung left for the rest of his life. It also impaired his hearing. Uh, and then he was very weak. And so uh, um, I have this picture of him in 1955 before he got married. He's 35 years old. I call it the suffering servant. And there he is. He's missing teeth. My aunt told me he had newspaper in his shoes because he couldn't afford it. He, he couldn't work at that point. All right. He's missing lung. He's deaf. And he's smiling. He's smiling, all right? That man had character. 
that man remained faithful. That man never, ever turned his back on God or the church. And he gets married, and my mother dies two years later. Then he gets remarried to my stepmother, the greatest thing that ever happened to us. She made it to 101. And, and then he got tuberculosis again. And he's out of the house for nine months. And finally he was healed, all right? Then he gets his college degree at 44 years old, all right? And he finally gets a job that pays, you know, 44 years old. And, and then he finally, you know, started to achieve things. We were able to get a house and things like that, all right? But a man who just, like, faithfully lived his life, long-suffered, okay, but was always there for us, always there for us. So now he's dying. And uh, went to the hospital for some surgery, and before he went to surgery, we had the best conversation I have ever had in my life with anyone. And for two hours, we reconciled. For two hours, we were crying. For two hours, we held each other. He prayed, we prayed, and I got his blessing. I got his blessing, okay? That changed my life. And our relationship wasn't bad, but after that, it was restored, all right? And he finally died three months later, and he's in a coma, and I'm holding his hand. This is about six hours before he died. And he wakes up, and he says, Jude. I said, yes, Dad. I said, Jude, take care of the family. Pray for the church. Protect the Pope. <laughs> that was his last words to me before he died. Now, realize he was very Polish, and so was John Paul. So, but I was able to walk away, and his funeral was so joyful. And there were so many people there. We had two nights of wakes, and they had to shut the lights off in the funeral homes because no one wanted to leave. We were having such a good time, just the way he would want it, just the way we would want it. But that was a father. That was a father. That was a real man, a real man. So, so I ask you to be open. Be open. Be real with your Heavenly Father. Saying, and if you're angry at him, tell him. Tell him, okay? If you're angry at your, your world, 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 earthly father, tell God, all right? You need to be honest. You need to be honest. And you will be free. And then you will be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Why? Because you will be doing the Father's will. We can't perfect ourselves, but when we do the Father's will, we participate in his perfection, okay? Then you're perfect. You're perfect. Because you're perfect in his eyes. Okay? So tonight, be open. Be open. And as we pray with you, just ask the Lord to welcome you home. Amen. Amen.